This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Happy hump day, everybody. It's One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, rolling through the week with you as we get set for Bills Packers on Sunday Night Football. (laughs) And the team practicing indoors today as the rains have come to western New York. They're in the field house, probably about 20 yards from where we sit. And there are some practice updates to pass along to you. Mm-hmm. Chief among them, Tredavious White is not going to play on Sunday. So a return to the active roster and playing on Sunday, not in the cards for Tredavious White this week. That, according to Sean McDermott, who addressed the media last hour. So Tredavious uh, you know, will practice, keep taking it day by day per Coach McDermott and work his way back to a point where hopefully he can be part of the active roster. But the clock is ticking now. November 1st is the last day in which the Bills can, you know, basically decide whether he is going to be added to the 53-man roster or be put on season-ending injured reserve. Those are the two choices they have at their disposal at this point in time. And they're getting down to it. It's next Tuesday. So they got to make a call. And they got to make room on the roster for him if they do that. They've always pushed this kind of thing as far as they could. Um, Certainly, if he was ready to play, he'd be playing. But they're going to push this deadline as far as they can before they activate him. And if they do. Uh, And it, it they could put him on IR for the rest of the year. I doubt that. They could activate him for a day and then deactivate him and put him on another four, three week or four game delay before he comes back. Um, I think one of the things about this, I don't think the team would do this anyway, but certainly it feels this way from the outside looking in, Brownie. If uh, Christian Benford and Kyer Elam and Dane Jackson weren't playing as well as they are, and of course, Taron Johnson. You know, we would all have a, a high level of anxiety getting him, getting Tredavious White back yeah. to help. I don't think this is an organization who would who that's even a factor for. Uh, it would be a factor for Tredavious. He'd want to get back and help. But when he's ready, and only when he's ready, is he going to be out there. Uh, they're not going to pressure him into playing before he's 100% or before the doctors, the rehab guys, the sports science department. They're all going to be on the same page. So when they get to that point, is when he's going to be out there, and that's that's it's as simple as that. The best way to probably put it in a nutshell is right now, because of the depth that currently exists at corner, he is a luxury, not a pressing necessity right now. Now, that's not to say they aren't a better team with him on the field. They unquestionably are a better team with him on the field. But you're not dying on the back end right now, due in part to the fact that your defensive front is as good as it's been maybe ever in the McDermott era. And you got two young corners that are holding their own in a platoon situation. And Dane Jackson on the other side and Taron Johnson in the slot. Yeah. Uh, they're number one in the league against he's, the pass. He's or, I don't number know, luxury, two, I think. He's a luxury you can't get your hands on yet. I mean, that's basically what he is. He's, uh, um, he's an asset that is not helping you right now, no question. But it does make you feel good that when he does come back, he's going to be really he's going to be really yeah. good. So, I'm. Uh, uh, what level of concern do we need to have that he's back at all? 
Do we think that's even in the cards? I don't that think he's that's not back. I don't think that's, this year. No, I don't think that's in the cards at all because they wouldn't have put him on four game IR. That he just kept him on the PUP or put him on IR to begin with through for the season. Yeah. Now maybe they thought there was a window. Maybe if he has a setback, but we would have heard. And yeah, there's been no indication that there's a setback of yeah. any kind. Coach McDermott it, refuted that today when he was asked about it. It would have been common knowledge if. Trey would have had to go back in and have the surgery redone or something in April. Um, you know, nothing. It's been smooth sailing. You and I have seen him. Um, so yeah, it's it, it'll be when he's ready and when he feels when he feels good enough to play and when he's you know doesn't have any setbacks or whatever. Maybe he's still got some occasional swelling in his knee. Who knows? Uh, we're not privy to any of that information. But as of now, he has not taken a step back. And you're still not even a year out from the injury. So he's not even supposed to be back. Finger quotes, supposed to be yeah. back just yet. So we're, we wait on Tredavious White for another week. And we'll see what next week brings. Hopefully good news uh, in terms of him returning to the roster and the lineup. Two non-participants in practice today, Taiwan Jones and Spencer Brown. Spencer Brown sustained an injury against the Chiefs. David Questenberry had to finish the game at right tackle for him. So he's still nursing an ankle injury. We'll have to see where that goes through the course of the week. Coach McDermott labeled him day-to-day, which is important. He wasn't labeled week-to-week, which are usually some of the designations that coach is willing to offer when asked. And Taiwan Jones still working his way back from an injury as well. Another player did return to the practice field for the first time in a month. Jake Kumaro back practicing with the team after sustaining a high ankle sprain in the Week 3 game against Miami when the Bills' sideline turned into a mash unit. Uh, He was part of the myriad of injuries that took place in that game. So nice to see him working his way back, especially after getting a shout-out from Aaron Rodgers, you know, when he was on the Pat McAfee show earlier this week. Uh, Apparently still sore that they lost Kumaro to the Bills a couple of years ago. Yeah, we're we're, we're going to yeah we're going to talk a lot about Aaron Rodgers and what he's going through. He's he's a, the subject of a lot of conversation because he's made himself available. He's on the Pat McAfee show as you mentioned regularly, uh, just like Josh is on with Kyle Brandt. But um, he has said something, and with the way the season is going so far, and what has happened to his rot to the roster of the Packers since last year, and since the last three years when the Packers were 13 and 3, 13 and 3, and then when they've turned to 17 games, 13 and 4. Uh, they're not going to go 13 and 4 this year. And Rodgers has been vocal in what he has said. So we're going to talk about that as, as the show progresses. But I, I think this game coming up this week is, for me, if I, let's, all, let's all think about ourselves like we're Josh Allen. Don't you really kind of want to make a statement in this game against the two-time reigning MVP? Well, I don't think it's lost on Josh Allen that he had perhaps the worst start of his career. Granted, it was only the third start of his career. Back in 2018 at Green Bay, the only game in which he has been shut out. He was sacked seven times in that game, threw a couple of picks, if I remember right. 22 nothing. they got beat. And they lost 22 to nothing, And they just, they were an overmatched team in that game. Not just Josh, but everybody else. The roster is a shell of what it is now. Um, so the outcome wasn't a surprise. I don't think we expected them to get shut out, you know, watching that game unfold. But 
that is not lost on Josh. That's number one. Number two, there were some distinct undercurrents at the match this summer when it was Rodgers and Brady against Mahomes and Allen, whether it was Tom Brady essentially calling Josh Allen chunky multiple times or Aaron Rodgers giving off this air of superiority and, you know, basically treating Josh Allen like the kid that tagged along to the playground to try to play football with everybody else. You know, the kid that was like three or four years younger and he wanted to play too. Oh, yeah, okay. I I guess you can come along. It was that type of air with the interaction between them. Um, Rodgers chuckling at Brady's cuts and digs at at Allen. It was was all very off-putting for me. It Mm -hmm. it actually annoyed me. Uh, I don't know how Josh kind of kept a stiff upper lip. Well, because he didn't, there have was, any, he couldn't there talk. Was, he couldn't talk because he was playing. He was playing horrible golf, which is one of the things you, well, you couldn't talk back. That to didn't him. help. But you don't. I, I, I'm telling you right now, knowing the competitor Josh is, right. say all right. I may not be able to get you on the golf course, but I'm going to get you on the football field. Yeah, there's got to be some of that, and, and I'll and I want to be honest. And I am here for all. <laughs> be honest. Nobody takes that stuff seriously, least of all the four guys in the match. Uh, they, can, they can take it as well as they can dish it out, the verbal jousting. But make no mistake, I mean, I've done it. I've played football against close friends. And on a, at the NFL level, yeah. and one of, them, one of whom is close, still a close friend of mine. I've known him for 40 years. He was the punter for the other team. And we talked about you know, what would happen. If, and this is the West way it goes. I, I told him if I ever return a touch a punt for a touchdown and he punts it, I will embarrass myself, him, and the entire National Football League with my celebration. <laughs> it will be absolutely something you you will right. That's well, what that's where Josh has got to be. And you're talking about a friend. I think that's a very generous yeah. term for Rogers and Allen for Brady they're and gonna, Allen. They're they're colleagues. That's right. They're not friends. And it's going to be their colleague. And Mahomes and, and Roger, they're going to be a part of Josh's conversation for his entire life. They're going to – the people will talk about the games they played against each other, the record against each other. It's, it's you know, I finger quotes again, historic for these guys. Yeah. So it's going to carry a lot of weight. That's why I brought – it's a statement game. He's two-time reigning MVP. you got to want to light that guy up. I'm going to lay something out for you, Steve, um, that was brought in by NFL's research notes this week. Hold on. Allen has won his last four regular season matchups against former MVP quarterbacks (laughs) and seven of his late last eight such games. The first of his career was against Rodgers in the 22 to nothing game we just talked about. Mm -hmm. Here are the other ones. Okay. Um, Oh, I don't have them in front of me. I'm sorry. So he's won, but he beat. He's beaten Mahomes twice. We know that, former MVP. He's beaten Lamar Jackson, former MVP. That was this year. Um, let me see if I can figure them all out. Uh, it was uh, Cam Newton. Well, no, he's – well, right, in 2020. He beat Cam Newton with the Patriots oh. 24-21. So there are – this is another one. Um, 
I had it right at the, I had it right too. Oh my gosh, it drives me crazy. It drives anyway, me crazy. It's it's another opportunity for him to basically say, I'm better than the league's reigning MVP. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. And he'll never say that, you know, that's that's the motivation for him in this game. He's just right. worried about winning the football game, which I would which I would say is hundred percent true. But these are the undercurrents of the game that also exist in Josh Allen's motivational mind as I see it. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, Steve. You said it yesterday. If the Bills are up by 20, his foot is on the gas. And you want to know what's going to help him? Drop back and sling it, baby. Do you want to know what helps him? He's got an offensive coordinator who thinks the exact same way. Yeah, I don't know that the head coach will think that way. But I'll say this, too. I, yeah, I, this organization has been – you remember when – Two years ago or three years ago when they had the rec- – when Dayball was the offensive coordinator, they had a chance to throw a touchdown pass to like 14 different guys during the season, and yeah. it would have been a record. And remember, in the, it was in Houston, I believe, and Taiwan Jones doinked one on – Dropped it. Dayball was going all out to get it, and, and McDermott was right there with him. When you got guys who got a chance to do something like that – McDermott and the staff have always been behind him 100%. Now, you get into a game against the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night football, and you're thumping them, let's just say hypothetically. You're up big. Who's the adult in the room that says, no, Josh, you're going to sit down. You're, you're done. Well, they've sat him down in games already this year. But Week that w- two against the Titans. Wasn't a primetime game against an M- reigning MVP that you wanted yeah. your guy to take the title away from. And that's, that's got to be big to Josh. And I think, do you, as Sean McDermott, you, of course you, you kind of say, no, nah, I don't think so. But if, if Josh says, come on, let me play, what do you do? If I'm up 20 or 24, I'm not doing it. 24? No. 30 maybe. I give him, don't you just give him an extra series at least? I just don't like exposing him to risk. And every play is a risk in this league, as you well know. So yeah, you don't play scared, a, though. Come on. I'm not saying you're playing scared. To me, that's you're playing smart because you're playing for the next week. Because if you don't have him, you're not winning anything. Yeah, I don't know. Here we go. He beat Lamar Jackson in week four, Patrick Mahomes in week six. He could beat Aaron Rodgers this week. And he could be the first quarterback to beat three former MVPs in a four-game span since Troy Aikman beat Marino, Steve Young, and Favre. And that was back in 96. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, I forgot about it. He beat Lamar this year. He beat Pat yep. Mahomes this week. And he's got a chance to beat Rodgers. All three of them were quarterbacks who are his, you know, right in his wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I'm here for all of that. I, I, I'm telling you right now, I, if I'm Josh, I have the conversation this during the week, like today tomorrow, and tomorrow and Friday, and say, listen, you got to, if we get up on these guys, I want to go. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to get that out of hand, but I could see 38-17, 38-20, somewhere in there. Come the latter stages of the third or fourth quarter. Maybe I'll remember. say this. If, uh, 38 And, and to I'll 16. say this, too. You've watched a little bit of the Packers. Why is Matt LaFleur not handing the football to got, those two backs? He's got two good backs. Why, is, why are those guys not a bigger part of what they're doing? And I, mean, I get it, and, I, and I, we can talk about this at length. I've always, I said this. A couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, 
we've seen it with Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. You've seen it with Aaron Rodgers now. You see it with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I don't know how it was in New England. You've seen it in the past with guys like Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, Elway, Peyton Manning for, of, for sure. The quarterback of that organization, as good as they are, MVP caliber, they have such cachet in the building. They, how they wield that power within the organization and how they voice their opinions within the organization has a great effect on whether that team can win. It, it helps them win or helps them lose. Mm. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is helping them win right now with what he's saying in the media. We saw it with Ben Roethlisberger. He would, he would spout off a couple. And he was kind of quiet, but he would spout off once in a while. Marino, in my opinion, sometimes Dan, they're their own worst enemy. Dan Fouts was the same way. If they want to win, you're going to give me the ball, the quarterback, and I'm going to throw it. I am not handing it off to Chuck Muncie, no matter how good he is. I'm not handing it off to the guys in, in Miami. How a quarterback handles his sway within the organization has a great effect on their ability to win games. And right now, Rodgers is not helping. These guys need to sit down if they're making mistakes. We need to give the reps to somebody else. You know? He thinks he's part of the solution by making suggestions to the head coach. I get it. I heard Kyle Brand on Good Morning Football today, and he raises a a valid question. where the hell is the head coach in all this? Coach Lafleur is awfully quiet. I, mean, I wouldn't even recognize. He's going to stand voice. out of the way, and not, I don't even know if I've ever seen a clip from a Coach Lafleur press conference. That's wrong. That is wrong. That's bad football, Brownie. I'm with you, hundred percent. Like that's bad football, dude. I do. I don't even know what under- his voice sounds like. I understand maintaining a relationship with the quarterback who pretty much runs the show. There, I understand the cachet. If the he quarterback's carries. running the show, it's wrong. Well, that's it, right? I don't even know what Matt Lafleur's voice sounds like. I have, I, I do don't not either. remember him. And I'm. I, we don't follow the Packers, so obviously the guy's on the air all the time, probably up in Green Bay. But you get my point. Mm-hmm. When your quarterback is the face of the franchise, okay, he can't be the most. He can't be the voice in the locker room and the team meet. It's got to be the head coach. Yeah, it's got to be the head coach. And Matt Lafleur is just vacant. It's vacant. I've heard Guy Lafleur's voice, <laughs> right? More than. More than this, Lafleur, and Guy Lafleur is no longer with us. I mean, I I don't know the 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 level of low profile is insane. So uh, you, you're the the head coach has to. I mean, the quarterback, a guy a guy of Aaron Rodgers' caliber, it's unhealthy as a, in group for me. It's unhealthy in group dynamics to have that guy be as powerful as. Other like the GM, the head coach, the president, whatever you want to call it, you know, and it's it's a different animal in Green Bay because the fans own the team. Yeah, but Matt Lafleur is where are you, dude? That to me is an unhealthy situation. Not that it's toxic, 
It's a difficult relationship. But it's difficult yeah. for anybody to get anything done. Everything in that building has to be run by number 12. Well, and not only and that. And that's wrong. And we're, and we're only talking about the head coach-quarterback relationship. Because that relationship is difficult, every other relationship that indirectly relates to that one also becomes difficult by default, I think. Yeah. It's all group dynamics. Do you ever yes, have one of those group co- dynamics. You ever exactly. Those college classes where you do that. It's true. Organizational communication that's was right. the one for me. That's yeah. When I first came into the workforce coming out of college, I could easily identify. Oh, that guy didn't take organizational right. communication. Exactly. Right. So what's that guy doing? And I'll say this: when you're and even from from eight year old, nine year old, ten, eleven, twelve year old kids playing football, even if they don't get it articulated to them, they cho- they you can sense things that happen with your coaching staff and the way they talk to players and why they talk to this player this way, but they're saying this to this other player. All of that stuff, you take that in and you think, well, that probably wasn't going to work. Yep. You know? So as you, as you get up through higher and higher levels of football and you get better and better guidance and better coaching and better leadership, you, it's, a, it's a leadership seminar every practice. And the dynamic with a, when you've got the wrong guy – wielding so much power within an organization and spouting off, whether it's trying to help or not, it's unhealthy. Yeah, It's unhealthy. That's why it worked for Brady in New England because there was only one voice there, and it was Bill. You know, Brady could say whatever, but, you know, he's, same thing here. You don't think Marv Levy's brilliance was keeping a lid on Bruce and Jim and Thurman. Holy, holy Cannoli. Are you saying those three guys had opinions? Oh my gosh! <laughs> we used to, Scott Burkshold just had his retirement party here. He was the PR guy. He was the you know the Derek Boyko of the '90s teams. Yeah. And they were we were telling they were telling stories of you know you got to have somebody that squashes yeah. the star players and their penchant for getting into trouble with the media. The problem now is the role and the profile of quarterbacks in this league are so large. I mean, even larger than they were then. Yes. To a degree that – social media. And that, to yeah. a degree that I don't think a lot of young coaches know how to handle. And, well, I, it's, yeah, and I would put LaFleur in that category. It's it's not something there's a handbook for either. Every guy's different. So, you, you know, I mean, you got a guy like, like Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid, they, they handle their business fine, you know. Josh and, and Sean McDermott, you can see, and you and I know – the yeah, dynamic between better, those two, Josh. You have a better person in Josh Allen than you have in Aaron Rodgers. Well, too, but. but think about it, and and Sean's a different kind of leader too. They have a conversations and they listen to each other, and per, either one is willing to say, "Wait a minute, now, hold up," right? I can you can just you just know that dynamic is there between. And same thing with there's a with Brandon take. Bean. Yeah, there's a there's give a give and take. take. But there's also a final word, and it's in the right spot. It's not with the, the player. It's with the coach and the executive. Yeah. So it's different for – I'm sure it's different for all these different 32 teams out there because they all have these different quarterbacks. But you're right. The quarterback does have a significant amount of sway, cachet, a bigger voice, whatever, authority – in an organization, and how that's handled is important. And right now it seems unbalanced in Green Bay yeah. to me. All right, I'm there with you. Um, Bill's practice updates, incidentally, the ones that we gave you, presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. Uh, 
So there's that. As we mentioned, Taiwan Jones, Spencer Brown, the non-participants at practice. Tredavious White practicing but not going to play this week, so he won't be lifted off reserve PUP just yet. And Jake Kumro back on the practice field. We uh, do want to go to the phones at 803-0550, Leading us off today is our good friend DJ in Connecticut. What do you got for us, DJ? Uh, hi, guys. Uh, just a couple of quick questions. First of all, a, a programming note. Why in the world does WGR or Odyssey uh, not allow or not post the post-game WGR content on Odyssey? And the reason I asked that for the last couple of weeks, and including, I think, to today or whatever, the post-game after the Kansas City game, I want to hear the local you know, stuff going on, all that sort of stuff. They don't start the programming until who's ever on at 930. So I ended up having to go to Kansas City post game. Boy, those guys are nuts. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a different universe after a loss. But anyway, but so the first question is, why isn't immediately after the game that content, even for a couple of hours, not posted on Odyssey? Yeah, I I don't have that answer for you because we're not at the station. Um, our show is carried by WGR, and we work in concert with them because they are the team's flash, flagship station. But they simply carry our programming, which we run out of one bill's drive. So why that is the case, I can't answer that right now. If I, I'll try to get an answer for you as to why that is the case. My suspicion is um, it may have something to do with the fact that it is an app that is streaming it rather than a traditional radio station carrying it. So I will try to get an answer for you, DJ. Do not have one at the ready for you, though. So I'll see if I can get one during the break and then get back to you on that. Um, I know that Going to our website, buffalobills.com, as well as the app, can sometimes be another avenue to get the coverage you're looking for. Um, there's a Bills post-game live stream as well on the Bills YouTube channel. So those are alternate places where you can go if you want to get some of that um, as a suggestion. But I will try to get a hard and fast answer for you uh, in the next segment, if possible, here, I'll try to reach out to a couple of people during the break, see if we can't get an answer. But right now, I don't have one. Uh, I also was mentioning how the Bills had the number one pass defense. They don't. It's the Packers that have the number one pass defense. Bills actually are at 11th against the pass. After playing Patrick Mahomes, you can understand why they might slip in the rankings a little bit there. Um, but I expect them to be back up the charts in short order. As a matter of fact, I think they finished under Leslie Frazier no lower than five against the pass in any one of their five-plus seasons that uh, their defense has been operated and directed by Leslie Frazier. Wouldn't surprise me if they get there again by the end of the season. Um, We will take a quick break here. When we come back, we will be taking more of your phone calls, and we also have the one and only Field Yates, ESPN fantasy football guru, is joining us a day early this week, so we'll get his ultimate fantasy lineup presented by FanDuel coming up next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. 
All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. It is that time of the week. It's a little bit earlier, but we've put him to the test, and he has come through as always. It is the ultimate fantasy lineup with ESPN's Field Yates, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Field, I know early in the week kind of makes it a little tricky, especially if you got some injury question marks and you're wondering who may play, who may not play, but you've gone and done it anyway. Bravo to you. Yeah, you guys are putting me to the test here, but I'm remaining confident. And also, <laughs> I will just note that I try to avoid guys in this circumstance where if we haven't practiced yet because they're not playing on Thursday night, uh, that I don't think there's any question that they will miss time on Sunday. Let's start with our quarterback. And as you guys well know, Jalen Hurts has been exceptional for the Eagles. One of the reasons why they're the only NFL undefeated team left over. Priced at $9,200, which is a fairly big number. But a reminder that in Daily Fantasy, we use the 3X rule where you're looking to have a player score three times as much as his price tag. And Hertz is at nearly 25 points per game. Obviously, the more expensive the player, the more difficult it is for that player to get that 3X mark. But Jalen Hurts is about as good of a get, as good as it gets for fantasy upside this year at quarterback, at least amongst guys who are not named Josh Allen. Oh, there you go. And and when you get to the running backs, I'm starting – I noticed a little trend, not only with Jalen Hurts, and we'll get to it as we drop down through, but you love the Pittsburgh-Philly matchup for a, for a couple of reasons. Um, we'll get to that more specifically. But the two running backs, Derrick Henry, Raheem Mostert. Derrick Henry, the highest price tag I've ever seen. Yeah, it's it, this is as big as it goes, but the matchup is as good as it gets. And Henry has been really good as the Titans have now won four straight games. They're favored to win a fifth straight game. You guys know this team is tough and resilient. You know this team has a certain brand of football that it wants to play, and that is to run and run and run some more. Derrick Henry should be a very busy man on Sunday against the Houston run defense that really can't stop anybody Last week, they had no answer for Josh Jacobs, who's been awesome. And then Raheem Mostert, you know, there's this funny thing that we do. We always tell people to follow the money, right? Because when a guy gets paid a ton of money, it usually means the team has big plans for that player. Well, in Miami, it's actually the inverse, at least for the running backs, because Chase Edmonds got the real deal this offseason. Raheem Mostert got the prove-it deal. Well, Raheem Mostert has proven that Chase Edmonds might have been little bit of extra money than the, Dolph the, the Dolphins did not have to pay because Mostert has really emerged hit for catches this past Sunday. You would have thought that even if Mostert is leading the team in carries, which he did, that maybe Chase Edmonds could contribute as a pass catcher. It turns out Raheem Mostert has emerged into both a runner and receiver role. So love that value against the Lions who the Texans are the worst run defense in the NFL. The Lions are the second worst run defense in the NFL. Mm. Uh, we've seen you do this before, Field, where you pound a particular game. If memory serves, it was like a 49ers and Arizona game a couple of weeks ago in one of your fantasy lineups. This week you're, you're doing that to some extent with the Philly-Pittsburgh game here, especially at receiver. Yeah, and the second part of this equation is a little bit more about the price than it is the matchup. But for my first wide receiver, Devontae Smith comes off the board, and you're right, it's creating what we call a stack. Love that in Daily Fantasy, this game. Eagles playing at home. They're coming off a bye week like the Bills. We suspect this team should be very ready. And while the Steelers tried and failed to intercept Tua Tungavailoa like three times this past Sunday night, 
I, you know, I still have some concerns about this Steelers secondary, despite the fact they've been okay for the past two games, right? Tom Brady first and two of this past week. So I think that the Eagles are able to move the football effectively. Devontae Smith priced at $6,900. And that brings us to George Pickens. Generally speaking, you want to avoid facing off against that Steelers dynamic cornerback duo, especially on the perimeter with Darius Slay and also James Bradbury, but a pretty good number here for George Pickens, who once again led the Steelers in both catches and receiving yards this past week. There's sort of not a market correction yet on George Pickens. He's still priced at $5,500, which probably should be maybe $2,000 more given how he has played over the past couple of weeks. And the last one is Rondale Moore. Interesting one because last Thursday night, Rondale Moore had just one catch for 31 yards. Moore has been much more of a threat near the line of scrimmage. Last week, he got the big play down the field, but the volume was gone. I don't know that that is exclusively about DeAndre Hopkins, because remember that while Hopkins was in, Hollywood Brown was out. So that struck me as more of an outlier. I think he bounces back on Sunday against the Vikings. And as we move to tight end, the, the New York Jets uh, hosting the New England Patriots, how do you quantify and give us a little insight as to how you decide because there's been a little bit of a roller coaster season new england plays pretty good defensively one one week and they give 33 points to the bears the next week how do you evaluate that kind of matchup and and pick uh tyler conklin as a tight end yeah conklin kind of has cooled off after a few really good weeks to begin the season the price is pretty good and the question you have to ask yourself is whether you think that the Jets can continue to get by just running the football nonstop. It's worked over the past four weeks, but at some point the clock does strike midnight. You know, the Patriots were playing better offense for two games before this past Monday night. That felt like that. That's like a burn the tape type of game from them. I can't recall them. You know, they've been overmatched, right? I mean, obviously Buffalo in the playoff game last year was two different tiers, right? But like, you guys know well, like Buffalo is one of the best. You know, they were last year, and they're obviously this year very much one of the very best teams in the NFL. I don't think the Bears are that. So I think the Patriots' defense is probably better than what they showed. Quarterback runs have really been a problem for them, as was the case on Monday night. I think the Jets have to throw it a little bit because I do think the Patriots can move the ball. So Conklin, 4,800, a reasonable value there. And then in your flex spot is one of only two <clears throat> players on the Saints that – you know, fantasy players can count on it's it's either Camara or it's Chris Alave, and you uh, you opt to go with the former. Yeah, and Camara, who's been better of late, and we've seen some more pass catching from Alvin Camara, which really increases his potential yardage and opportunity to hit bonuses and things of that nature based off of yardage in daily fantasy. So I do like him this week against the Raiders, who last week were okay but not great against Damian Pierce. We'll see whether it's Andy Dalton or Jameis Winston on Sunday. We'll see whether Michael Thomas is available, or Darvish Landry is available. But it stands to reason those guys could miss yet another week because they have not yet practiced. We'll see what happens today. But I think the offense continues to run through Kamara and also Chris Olave. And you're getting a bit of a, of a discount here on Alvin Kamara at $7,800. In a good week, his price tag might begin with a nine. And then, of course, at the end, Washington Commanders, Indianapolis going with Sam Ellinger. Um, yeah. I mean, you just can't think, even if they if things go well for Indianapolis, they're not going to score very many points. 
Yeah, exactly. And I would say that, uh, you know, this, this Colts offense made a quarterback change, but the offensive line has been a real problem as well. I don't exactly know what to make of that for Indianapolis, but uh, that's part of the reason why you're motivated by the commander's defense in this game. And to be clear, the commander's defense has not been great, but you're getting an untested quarterback, an offensive line that looks the exact opposite of what you expected it to after years of dominance. So that's the calculus. I think I tell you guys this every week. I try to avoid paying up on defense at $3,400. If you could force a turnover or two and get some sacks against an untested rookie, that's probably good enough to pay off here for the commanders who are really missing Chase Young right now, despite the fact that all of a sudden they're on a two-game winning streak. All right, Field, that is your Ultimate Fantasy lineup for Week 8, presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more before we let you go. Thoughts on Bill's Packers Sunday night. We just uh, got word that Coach LaFleur said Alan Lazard not practicing today. He's a wait and see coming off that shoulder injury for Sunday night. They may get Watkins back this week, it looks like. So I don't know that the receiving core is going to be demonstrably better uh, with all the youth they depend on there. What, what, what are we looking at here? Could, could that 10.5 point spread be just as ugly as we think? Yeah, this is one of those games that if you'd asked me about it in August, I'd say I might just book a flight now to Orchard Park and be up there for this game. Uh, I think I'll be happy to be on my couch on Sunday night as this feels not quite like varsity versus JV. But if this one goes, I expect it to a Bills team coming off of a bye week, well rested, not perfect health shape, but pretty good health shape versus a Packers team that is trending in the other direction. They look tired after lot of travel in recent weeks they played a home game in london and then right back to lambeau and then right back to dc left tackle david bakhtiari is a question mark you know this is a team that uh pretty much everything that could go wrong has gone wrong for green bay so i think that bill's number is an appropriate one at ten and a half mm. and yeah, look yeah. it's it's 11 now we just got an update right. it's 11 <laughs> it's up to yeah. 11 it's moving as we speak <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Thanks, Field. We yeah. appreciate it. We'll catch right. up with you next week. Talk to you next week. All righty. All right. That's Field Yates, ESPN fantasy football guru with his ultimate fantasy lineup presented by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And, yes, there is a practice update from the Packers. Uh, basically, Coach LaFleur has said Alan Lazard, they're one of their few veteran wide receivers, not going to practice today. They asked uh, Coach LaFleur – about whether or not Lazard will play this weekend. And he said, quote, we'll see when asked if he will miss games because of the shoulder injury that he suffered in their last game against Washington. Christian Watson, another receiver, one of their draft choices, when asked about his status, he is returning to practice today, but he is going to be limited. So another player to keep an eye on through the course of the week as far as availability for the Packers passing game. So that is that as far as they're concerned. As we mentioned, Bill's relatively healthy coming out of the bye week. Just a couple of guys not participating in terms of Spencer Brown, Taiwan Jones, who's, you know, as we know, a special teams guy. But Jay Kumaro coming back into the fold right. um, special teams wise. So that might be a, a swap, so to speak, a wash, uh, if they can get Kumaro back on the field to help them on special teams. Right. And yeah, they're. This is a game, despite the, the names we're mentioning, you know, Spencer Brown not practicing today, Kumaro back on the field, Tredavious kind of day-to-day, Tywan Jones taking a day off. This is uh, – there's still 
a really healthy football team right mm-hmm. now coming out of the bye. They're going they're better now than they have been and most notably because they've got guys instead of Taiwan Jones and Jake Kumaro, it has been Jordan Phillips and, you know, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer and those kind of guys. So, um, certainly special teams are going to be bolstered by the return of Kumaro, but the top guy, the starting defensive line, starting offensive line, seems to be getting healthier with the exception today of Spencer Brown. We will take a break here. When we come back, we'll take your phone calls and we'll talk a little bit more about this upcoming matchup. We do want to remind you, coming up in the second hour of the show, we expect to have Dawson Knox in studio, fresh off the practice field, and we'll have podium sound from Josh Allen after practice today as well. Stay tuned. Plenty more coming your way here on One Bills Live. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. And we wanted to send a shout-out to Wegmans, thank them for sending us some meals-to-go lunches for the crew, and it's all part of their participation in the Huddle for Hunger program from now through this Friday, October 28th. Wegmans will donate $5 from every meals-to-go order to help provide nourishment for those in need in western New York. Order hot pizza, fresh subs, catering, and more for carryout, curbside pickup, or delivery. And with every order while supplies last, you can get a free superhero cape just in time for Halloween. It's got the uh, bills on there as well and the game this weekend. Together, we can make a difference in our community. Superhero masks will be available at the Wegmans tent on the Boulevard on Sunday as well before the game. Get yours before supplies run out. And I know uh, the good people in our community relations department were out at a community event yesterday at School 74. And, you know, they're doing this community food drive as well on Thursday. So Thursday, 4 to 7 p.m. is the community food drive. It's going to be in Lot 2 here at Highmark Stadium. And it's all to benefit Feed More of Western New York. Fans are going to be given a Bill's Huddle for Hunger grocery bag as a thank you. I have one of those right here. These are pretty cool. They've they got, are. Uh, oh, look at that. Yeah, on one side they've got, you know, the Bills, and then you flip it over and it's got Buffalo 1 on the other side. So pretty cool grocery. I mean, we all use these now. Now oh, the yeah. plastic bags right, are right. out. So these come in handy every time you go to the grocery store. So just kind of a thank you. You know, if you kind of bring a food donation yeah. over. Four to seven at Highmark here. Uh, that's coming up, right? That's Yeah, and we mentioned the Meals to Go promotion that Wegmans is doing, $5 from every one of their Meals to Go this orders. tomorrow is what it is. Well, basically it runs through the week. It runs through Friday. That's oh, okay. A, the, food, the community food drive is tomorrow in Lot 2 here at Highmark Stadium. Cool. Um, and then also the other cool thing, during the game on Sunday night against the Packers, the 50-50 raffle – is all going to Huddle for Hunger Charities. So each participating charity has been given the opportunity to be the beneficiary of that. So they'll get half the pot of all the money raised at the game uh, on Sunday night. So you're talking like uh, Feed More of Western New York, uh, Food Shuttle of Western New York, Buffalo Freedom Gardens, City Mission, like all of those organizations St. Luke's Mission, Rural Outreach Center, which I know you're right. a part of. Uh, they'll all benefit from the 50-50 raffle, so make sure you get yourself a whole arm length of 50-50 tickets if you're going to the game on Sunday. All part of the Huddle for Hunger program. So looking forward to that. 
and you guys doing your part as you always do. We know Bill's Mafia is huge when it comes to community support. So good on you uh, for helping with that. Uh, we want to go to the phones real quick and catch up with Dan in Erie, PA. Dan, what do you got for us? You're on One Bills Live. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I uh, try to follow the bills on billswire.com, and in the last week there's been a speculation on the bills being in on the, the talks for Christian McCaffrey. Of course, we know he went to the 49ers, but now there's speculation on Cam Akers from uh, the Rams. Do you see any trade on the uh, nearby horizon? No. Before the no, not. For, I don't think so. Not for Cam Akers. No. I don't think so. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Maybe. I mean, uh, I'm sure that if here's the thing. Here's how it works. Usually, teams make it known who's they who they have that they're wanting to trade or willing to trade, and through conversations like that. And, and other wide-ranging conversations GMs have, they, they kind of know who's been made known to them either. And it also happens to the agents. The GMs find out about a, there's a list, an ongoing list, and it's fluctuating, as you can imagine, as to who's available and who's not for trade. And GMs, you watch film. They watch film on the guy and think, what do you think? What's he worth? Do we need him? Are we in? Are we out? And it's basically is like, ah, eh, we're not interested in that guy anyway. Yeah. Or some of us like that guy's available, kind of thing. So, um, it's Brandon Bean has always thought and been more open than most GMs about saying, "Yeah, we we asked what they were asking, whether they're really interested or not. They still want to know the market." Yeah. So they'll there's exploratory conversations yeah. all the time. They'll find out about every guy who's open for a trade and find out what he's worth because if the, if they want. If you think he's a slight upgrade over somebody you've got who's not playing and it's worth it and it's cheap, you may do it, even though it's at a, you know, at a, at a spot that's not really you know, imp, you know, all that important to winning will, and losing kind of thing. I will say this. Running back, I don't believe, is considered a premium position by this organization. The premium positions are quarterback, pass rusher, corner, left tackle, and that's and wide receiver. Trading and parting with assets to acquire an asset at a non-premium position, I think, is unlikely for the Bills. That's just the way I see it. I don't pretend to know any inside information on that subject but if you look at the way this team has drafted the high draft choices more often than not are at those premium positions predominantly at those premium positions when they draft running backs it's in the third round or later there's a reason for that they don't believe it is a premium position in which to invest capital to trade away or cap dollars on a long-term contract. So knowing that, I, I just don't see that in the cards for the Bills in terms of acquiring a running back via trade. Um, I don't know if you feel differently, but... No, I mean, certainly it's it's a little bit like... It's just not... It's an undervalued position. Um, I don't think the Bills feel like they have a running back deficit 
production or otherwise. Mm -hmm. Certainly they know that there's other guys out, you know, there's Saquon Barkley's of the world and that, like you said, Christian McCaffrey's of the world or whoever seems to have the hot hand uh, around the league. But I think this organization, I believe, feels like the running back spot is one that fluctuates so wildly. So, guy, good year, good year this year, awesome. Next year, not so much. Or torn hamstring, blown knee, twisted ankle. Uh, it's a highly volatile, volatile position. And if you, the more you invest, the more risk you have because those guys either, A, don't last very long in their career, or, B, don't last very long week to week because they're out in and out of the lineup, or, C, one team is able to take it away too easily. So they don't invest in a spot like wide, like running back because of all those factors. It's too volatile. So Brees Hall is a perfect example. The Jets traded up in the second round to get Brees Hall, and did he make their team better? Unquestionably. He's a good player. He's the best running back in the draft in terms of all-around talent. But here we are in week eight. He's lost for the season. Probably won't be ready for the start of next season. And they just traded a sixth-round pick to get another one, which probably tells you all you need to know about the running back position. So I just I don't think the Bills see it as a premium position, certainly not one in which to part assets with. Now, there are exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions. You know, you got an all-world player, and I would put Saquon Barkley in that category. Maybe something. Maybe it's different, but not for Cam Akers. Just no. We will take a break here. When we come back, more on Bills Packers, of course. We also have Dawson Knox coming your way once practice is over. He'll be in studio with us a little bit later on in the second hour of the program. So don't you go anywhere. War One Bills Live coming your way next. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you as we are preparing you for Sunday night football. Bills Packers, and, you know, we've been talking to some people that cover the Packers this week. We had Rob Domofsky on yesterday from ESPN.com. We even talked to Michael Robinson about the Packers earlier in the week, and... There was even Field Yates, who was just on a couple of segments ago, and it just it looks like it it sounds as bad as it has looked. <laughs> and can you can you fix all that after you're on a three game losing streak and rally and play a good game? I suppose it's possible whenever you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, but it just seems like there's so much around him that is not. <clears throat> trending upward that it seems like a gargantuan task for for Rodgers to fix by himself there's a lot going on and I, and I 
Yeah, and we had the conversation earlier about how healthy it is when you've got a guy of his caliber and his stature seemingly unhappy with how things are going in the middle of the season. Now, this is also the guy that's, remember, famously said R-E-L-A-X, relaxes. He knew they did it, and he did it again a couple of years ago when they were like eight and six or something or six and four or something like that. They were just kind of middle of the road, and then they won their last six, you know, to go – to, to go to the playoffs and get in. So uh, he knows things aren't right there. Um, you watch them play. There's a ton of drop passes. There's a couple of things that you see that you've never seen from that offense. Him thrown to a spot on the field and nobody's there, most notably. So it just doesn't seem healthy right now. Emo- you know, And you and I noted the head coach seems strikingly silent. In all of this, and that's it something defies I, I logic. Do, for I me. do not know what that means. It really is bizarre. Um, one thing we forgot to mention regarding Tre'Davious White's participation in practice: he is out of the red non-contact jersey now. But the other thing that I noticed that was interesting about him today: he was wearing sneakers, not cleats. So even when practice is inside you're wearing cleats he's wearing sneakers which to me indicates practice in a limited capacity right because if you're yeah if you're going full bore that may be you're gonna have cleats on that may be a nod to uh the sports science department saying hey you're gonna practice but you're not gonna practice in cleats you're going to go in, sh- in because they're inside now if they were outside maybe on grass cleats, it's probably yeah. different right on grass it might be different let's not forget the injury happened on turf yeah and but, i i i think this is more about sports science and doing and i don't i didn't notice see most of the guys they're all wearing cleats out there yes um he's wearing sneakers to me that's that's what that's about i i think that's a nod to yeah, the the this surface that he's playing on, and I don't know that it has that much to do with his knee. Maybe it does. It probably does. But mm-hmm. I think that's sports science and the rehab people are just saying, you know what, let's do that, but let's let's not put you in a in cleats because it may be a, a mental signal to him saying, wait, I got to, you know, so he has to think about where his feet are and and you know and making sure he's got foot. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because in cleats, you don't think about it. It's an interesting point. Though. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I just and it I is saw the footage and I, I think was like, it's a thing. I, I do. I think yeah, it's a thing. That's, I mean, those are sneakers, not yeah, cleats. Yeah. So it's interesting. It it may mean nothing. It may be something. But usually, when you see a player out on a practice field in sneakers on a turf field, you're not going a hundred percent because you can't. You, you can't s- plant and drive yeah, yeah. as you, an NFL cornerback in sneakers. Yeah, the new surface. Like in back team in day, segments of practice, yeah, things you day, can't do it that way. We'd go out in sneakers on turf. Yeah, well, that's when it was a carpet. Concrete, you know. Yeah, that's like when it was a carpet. It was like playing on a on a cinder block wall, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, that's different. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that there is something to that. There's probably some scientific or thought process that went into that. I don't think that's Tredavis saying, you know what, I think I'll just practice in sneakers today. No. Something's, something's going on like that. And as we said, just till early next week is uh, the timetable that the Bills have to make a decision on his roster status, whether he goes from reserve PUP to the 53-man roster or whether he goes from reserve PUP to injured reserve. 
So that's a decision that has to be made there going forward. Um, Steve, I want to talk to you a little bit about the approach here with the Packers for Sunday night. We know that the Bills, you know, have a more than capable defense. I mean, for gosh sakes, they're number one in the league in points allowed, number one overall, number one against the run. Do you? What are you anticipating from the Packers? Because we know the passing game has been a an exercise of fits and starts at best. They don't really have any consistency with the deep passing game, even though Rodgers is trying to throw the ball down the field at times. He just he just has young receivers that can't make adjustments to the ball, run the right route, gain enough separation to make the plays. And yet there is A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones in the backfield to hand the ball off to. And I tried to go back to see when they – the last time they really leaned on the running game to carry them through a football game, it was against the Bears in week two. They let Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon go, and they ran wild in that game. And they really haven't come back to that. And I'm wondering – if that is the approach here for a Packers team that just has to get themselves right, that would be, I don't want to say conservative, maybe that's not the right word for it, but I wonder if that's the approach that they take because it's, it's a twofold benefit. If you can run the ball, you're controlling the clock, you're reducing the possessions for Josh Allen on the other side, and hopefully you're, yeah, you're finishing I, here's drives the thing. with points. Here's the reason it got so bad so quickly for the Packers is that, you know, you lose the New York Giants and you think, okay, the Giants are playing good. They're doing it. Then you lose the Jets and you only score 10 points. Now, the Jets have a pretty good defense, pretty salty defense, and they were healthy at the time. Then all of a sudden you drop one of the commanders. See, it, it kind of went because they had a three game winning streak before this three game losing streak. Right, and after laying an egg in the opener, after yeah, right after laying an egg in an opener, which is apropos, they always do that. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know if apropos is the right usage of that, but which is what they always do. They lay an egg in the opening day, so they probably weren't panic mode after that. Then they win three straight, and they think, okay, here we go, we're gonna have another thirteen win season, that kind of thing. Even though they had some bugs to work out, well, these last three losses, um, I think it's gotten incrementally worse. Not only because they haven't won, but they've looked bad doing it. And it seems to be trending the wrong direction. I think now, if you're going to start fixing stuff, you're right. I, I think they've been missing. And I, this is why I brought up the thing about the quarterback. They need to run the ball more. More. Not less. More. Not less. You know, effectively. Yeah. So, A.J. AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones are good backs they need to run it more. And I'm, that means taking it out of the hands of Aaron Rodgers. And the reason is it's like it's different than Josh Allen. It's different than, than Lamar Jackson taking it out of their hands. Aaron, all he can do is throw it. And if those guys on the other end can't get it done, go with somebody who can get it done. You're running backs. They can't throw the football. It's not Aaron's fault. Well, with any consistency. Right. right. They can't, it's not Aaron's fault. But he's got he's to shoulder the responsibility of doing something that they can do to win, and that means handing it off. Yeah. So you got to do it. And that's where I think they're going to be landing at in Buffalo. If you can't throw it, what are you going to do? Well, you got to run it. Yeah. Now, in, in, against, if you're in Buffalo and that happens, or if you're in, in 
Baltimore and that happens, the quarterback is part of that still. He's still going to run the football. He's still going to drop back and then snap off a scramble or a quarterback draw play. You know, you can't do that if you're Green Bay. But that's where they're at. They need to fall back on a, on a running game that carries the day for them. And, I, and they've been unwilling to do that. And I get it. You know, these are all close games that they're in, except for the Jet game. So they got to, you know, they're, they're not, they don't feel like they're getting, you know, trucked. But you got to do what it takes to win. And, I'm, yeah. you know, so you got to. And they've been pretty good in the red zone on offense. So I think if, if you, you have a run game that can just get you down there, now you're in the red zone. Now let Aaron do his thing. If you can't throw it because of the guys outside, either change the guys outside, simplify it for them. Do it. And they, you know, from, by all accounts, they're trying this. They've tried this. They've, nothing's working. Simplify, well, yeah. you, you got to change your philosophy then. If, you, if nothing you do helps you throw the football better, you better start running it better. That's where they're at, to me. Yeah. I, that's why I kind of expect them to try to run the ball early. And once again, I'm super happy that, you know, Brandon Bean and the personnel department made the investments that they did at the defensive tackle position Tim this offseason. Daquan Jones, Daquan Jones has been a rock. He's been, yeah, he's been a, a game wrecker. He's been a rock. Jordan Phillips was injured. He's healthy now. Tim hopefully, Settle. Hopefully – Big Phil is fully healthy now after getting, you know, an extra week to yeah, kind of sure up that hamstring. He gutted it out for a game or two. Well, yeah, the last game against Kansas City, and, and the only reason I knew he wasn't 100%, first of all, he was a limited participant in practice, but I watched him closely on a few plays in Kansas City, and he had two opportunities in the game where it was him and Patrick Mahomes, and he had to, you know, opportunity to chase him down, which normally he would do. Now, I'm not saying he's right. going to catch Patrick Mahomes, but close the space, maybe get a hand up in a passing lane. Put him under duress. Right. Yeah. And At least compete. For a half second, he thought about it, and then he stopped. Yeah. Because he knew if I try to burst here and get after him, I'm going to stoink exactly that right. hamstring all over And he again. did the same thing in the and home he held game up. against Pittsburgh. He got back on the field against Pittsburgh – and didn't finish the game. He was they, they, the game was in hand, and they took him out, and he was standing over there. But there was a couple of times, same exact thing. He had a chance to extend and go after it and stretch it out and run after somebody, and he had to say, he had to give it a second thought. Yeah, maybe that's not the case going forward from now on. So with that defensive interior healthy, basically the entire defensive line is healthy. I mean, AJ Dillon's a load. Don't get me wrong; he's got legs like tree trunks. Um, and Aaron Jones is quick to the edge, like really quick. This is, this is the number one run defense in football, man. It's a long day. It's a long day. And for both, for both teams, it's going to be a hard-fought game. That's only if Green Bay decides they, can, they should do it, like what, what we've said. If they do decide, they're going to, yeah, okay, we're going to try and get some running game established. I mean, they know what they're looking at in Buffalo. They're, they're going to have second thoughts about how successful they're going to be. But nevertheless, if they do decide they're going to do it and they're not going to let up on it, it's going to be a long day for the Bills' defense too. And, they, and they'll give up some plays to this team in the running game. But overall, the Bills got to feel really good about their ability to, to get it done. Because Green Bay defense still has to keep it close. We heard Coach McDermott, when he addressed the media today, pretty much – pump the Packers' tires, and we know why. You know, you always have to mind your P's and Q's as a head coach. 
not only because you don't want to create any bulletin board material, but you don't want to create a false sense of security amongst your team because that leads to complacency. And we know Sean McDermott is the polar opposite of that. So we hear him say Aaron Rodgers and that whole team is dangerous. You know, three years in a row, 13 victories, NFC championship games. They've lost three in a row, but it's dismissed out of turn by Coach McDermott. And understandably, I mean, we know why. That's just the way he operates. Prepare for their best because there's a chance you might get their best, especially when you're top of the mountain in the AFC. You know, you're going to get everybody's best, so you may as well prepare for that. I'm just not convinced (laughs) they're going to see anything close to that. Maybe they will. And, you know, you're in a dogfight, but. Yeah. I have a hard time getting there. I really do. I, like I, yeah. Listen, the, the Bills are the better team. You know, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. I, I, I try to, I try not to get too high on what I think the outcome of a game could be. Like obviously, the Chiefs and the Bills was a different example. It was on the road. <laughs> you know, week two against the Titans. I'm saying to myself, they should handle this team, but Tennessee always plays them tough. Maybe this is a grinded out nip and tuck game. It's forty-one to seven, right? A little bit. Well, let's now let's go back. Thought, now I'm looking at this Packers yeah. game, and I, it's at home. It's prime time. I wouldn't blame Josh if he had an axe to grind against a guy who acted like the cool dude that didn't want to give him the time of day at the match. I think this could be an ugly game for the Packers. I really do. I like ugly. Not Pittsburgh Steelers ugly, but not far off. Not far off. I could. I listen, I, I I'm the same with you. I kinda get sometimes I do, a la the Chicago at New England game. <laughs> I did not I, bring that up, you did. I, I know. Where, where, where <laughs> I thought the Chicago Bears were gonna get absolutely chewed up, like thrown into a tree grinder chewed up. Um that didn't happen. Mm. I'm with you. You have scenarios about how things could go, but I'm telling you, um, I th- with the way the team usually or has always played coming out of the bye with Sean McDermott, yeah, with the guy playing quarterback f- for the other team, and where your guy is and where he wants to go, he wants he wants what Aaron Rodgers has. Sunday night to me is a chance to take the guy's lunch money. Hmm. And I, that's what I told I, I think this game has no back end to it. I, I think it's all gas, no breaks. We're going to make a statement. We saw what the Chiefs did against the 49ers. We need to grab the spotlight back. Let's go. Yeah. And I, I, that kind of thing, that kind of mentality. Um, our guy's better. Let's go out and prove it. And on Sunday Night Football – Standalone game, I, I just, I just think that's where this game heads. Yeah. This now, it it could go south, and and doing, and Green Bay could come in and make it a and game. give them some problems, and make it a close game, and make it a dogfight. And but Buffalo is the better team, and if they don't turn it over, it, they're too hard to beat. Break time for us because when we come back, we're going to be joined in studio by our fresh off the field interview presented by Austin Air. It'll be one Dawson Knox joining us. Here next on One Bills Live, stay tuned.
All right, we are back here on One Bills Live, and it is time for our fresh off the field interview brought to you by Austin Air, the official clean air provider of the Buffalo Bills. And we have with us none other than Bills tight end Dawson Knox joining us. Welcome back from the bye there, Dawson. Thanks, guys. Good got, to a little, be back. got a little family time with mom. Oh, little, yeah. Little mom son weekend. Or? It was fantastic. Yeah. 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 A lot of time with it's the family. It's a great time of year up here, too. Trees are changing. Oh, my gosh. Last couple of days were sunny and 70. It was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good for you, man. I think my rookie year before Halloween, it was snowing. That does that can happen. Oof. Yeah, and so then I as, had those as expectations you know, for this week, and it's been unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. and as you know, because you've been little here long enough, after Halloween, all bets are off. A little bit of an yeah. Indian. That's, that's kind of the point of no return to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little bit of an Indian summer. You get that first frost, a couple of cold days, then it comes back for a couple of weeks, and then it mm-hmm. and it hits for good. So yeah. this is kind of I feel like our last what, uh, hurrah. I, yeah, right. I think we have to start with a little bit of congratulations. You know, your football exploits garner you some social media presence but you you did it in a different way recently when fox sports decided to post the one loss records of the quote unquote new york football teams and dawson uh chimes in somewhat sarcastically but i liked it uh should we tell him should we tell fox sports that was uh dawson's retweet of uh the records posted by and then they fixed it you, yeah. you, you enacted I no change, idea. Dawson. I had no idea it was going to blow up like that. You enacted that, but... change. Good hey, on look, you. We got results. That's right. Good on you for that. Yeah, um, we know no, no. that this is a sticky, a sticking point for Bills fans, and you shed some light on it. So good for you for enacting change. Very well <laughs> yeah, done. Yeah, I had no Very idea. Nice. And next thing I know, I look back at my Twitter, it's got like 10 million views or something like that. <laughs> right, <laughs> like, right, what is right. going They're on? Like, People what love it. Love it. <laughs> yeah. It's true, yeah. That was the, awesome. The, um, the vibe coming in, give us an idea that's – because you've been around for a while, McDermott's five and zero coming off the bye. Why? Why? You know, I think he just does a great job at letting us kind of have a mental reset, let your body get back right. If you got any nicks or bruises, kind of letting that just completely relax, getting your getting all that inflammation out, going home, seeing family, taking a little mini vacation if you want to. Um, I think that strategy has really paid off in the past. So why change it? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. Time off is time off if it really is indeed time off. Right. Because, you know, they say, hey, you guys won't need your butt. By the way, you guys need to come in for treatment. We're going to have a meeting on this day, and we're also going to do this and get a lift in. (laughs) But you're you're off, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, thankfully, he gave us that time. And we're not going to forget how to – we're not going to forget our playbook within a week. You know, everything's going to come back as soon as we get about What about this, though? Because – we know that coach is big on you guys focusing on you. Yes, you do your prep for the opponent. You watch your film. You prepare for guys you're going to be squaring off against, personnel-wise, all of that jazz. What about focusing on you guys? How does that change coming off a of bye? Because inevitably the coaches are going to come up with a couple of things for the to-do list, You know, whether it's at a position group, whether it's one side of the ball or the other. Is, is this week – because you still have to prepare for an opponent at the end of the week, but coming off the bye – are there little things that are thrown on the to-do list that you find through the course of the early portions of the practice week? Yeah, so really the only thing that's different for us was Monday was kind of like an extra day for the Packers instead of being a review day for the game that we just played. So Monday we came in, got a lift, a little run, um, got treatment here and there, and then we had a few meetings for the Packers instead okay. of a few meetings going over our previous game. So that, that was just kind of the extra day we got Monday. Yesterday was a normal off day. Um, people still come in, get a lift, get recovery in. Um, but then today was a normal Wednesday like we'd mm-hmm. have any week. 
What about the Packers? What's the early returns and getting prepared for them? What, what's their personality? You know, they, they've done a great job this year on defense kind of across the board. Um, they have two great edge setters, um, bigger, heavier guys. Gary, they run a, yeah. yeah, so they have a 3-4 defense with those outside linebackers that are setting edges. Um, so that puts a lot of pressure on us as tight ends. we got to, you know, help control the line of scrimmage. Um, and they got a very solid secondary, too. So they're, they've been solid across the board. I think they're number one in the league right now in passing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a challenge for us that we're – Looking forward to going up against. Um, I know that you know you and your family moved past a difficult time, but I thought it was super cool catching that ball in the end zone in Kansas City. Correct me if I am wrong. Is that the last game last year that your brother was on hand to watch you play? That's right. In Kansas yeah. City. That's right. You can't tell me that's a coincidence that you yeah. caught that touchdown pass at the end of the game. Somebody's in a premium seat up in the sky pulling some yeah. strings there for um, you I think yeah I mean that me and my family talked about that a little bit afterwards and that was um really special for us um something that I was very thankful for um just the way that one ended um and it, what's crazy is my parents were at the game and there was a young I think he was like 18 or 19 guy by the name of Luke sitting next to him, who was a Bills fan. Get out. Um, just kind of a random coincidence there. but yeah, It's um, not random, I don't think. Yeah. Wow. If you it's believe amazing. in divine intervention, and I know you've got a faith-based family, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's um, not an was, accident. Come on now. It was uh, really cool to see and hear about. Uh, my mom yeah. sat next to him the whole game and kind of shared some of our testimony with my brother Luke. Um, so it was a very, yeah, divine it was a, poignant, a poignant moment, I, no question. No doubt about and it. And uh, yeah. obviously, um, it's been a, a difficult – it'll always be a difficult season, even if you guys, you know, hoist a trophy at the end of it. Um, what – you know, going forward and, you know, how do you – how did you get back into it? Because I, 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 have, I have three brothers as well, and I, you can only imagine um, what it takes to – take a deep breath and, and keep rolling. Yeah. Um, really what helped a lot was getting back up here. Um, seeing a lot of my teammates that I care so much about, a lot of these coaches, um, and just being in a community that's really been so incredible. Um, I think they raised over $300,000 in my brother's name. Mm-hmm. Um, just from day one after it happened, I mean, there's been so much outpouring of love and support for me and my family that it's been um, – very, very touching. It just kind of confirms that this is exactly where I want to be. I want to be here as long as I can. So getting back up here, getting the routine, and getting around people I love. Was yeah. Well, easier. I know this too. Knowing what I know about this area, the the fan base and the city, that it will probably it will continue. Uh, yeah. They know how continue. to put their arms around yeah. people. The, yeah. I don't. Th- we don't need to tell you that. You've seen that already. Whether it's your knock socks, which are back. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's or right. anything. I mean, anything. You, you saw what they did for Josh and his grandmother a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. I mean, it it never stops here. But why don't you talk to us a little bit? Knock socks. Let's hit it up. Let's let's get them. Yeah. Is it yeah, still yeah. rolling right now? Year right? two. It's rolling right now. Yeah. Um, so I'm still doing the same thing with. Um, a company called Four Bare Feet, um, and they've they've been incredible with this partnership. Every purchase of Knox socks, Four Bare Feet gives twenty five percent of that revenue to the Pump Foundation. Nice, um, and it's helping raise money for all these families that um, have kids with cancer. Um, the Pump Foundation works with these kids and mm-hmm. these families that sometimes can't even afford to park at the hospital. Um, so it's just right. such an incredible organization to help give back to those families and help 
them afford care, afford their next meal, um, afford to be there with their family. Um, so Knox Socks has been a pretty awesome way to do so that. So just tell everybody how they can. I saw some at the Bill Store actually yeah, last yeah, yeah. week, but so they can get them there. Right. But maybe just let everybody else know, like if you're not in town, like where yeah. you can get them. Um, so I have a link in my bio. I think it's on Twitter and Instagram. Just okay. Dawson Knox on both. Um, you just click the link and the site comes up. I think we got new designs coming out soon. We got nice. a bunch of new ones for the season already. Um, I think there's like an Ole Miss one coming out at some point, oh. and then um, oh, there there's a bunch. There's there's a handful of them. So I think just through my bio on social media is probably Perfect. the best way to do it. That is easy. What uh, what's the most difficult part about playing on a Sunday night game coming up here? Honestly, it's my favorite time to play. Like I'd rather I'd rather play in the primetime games every week. I think it's just more fun to get amped up for. You know, everyone's going to be watching. Um, the lights come on, and I think level of play just escalates even that much more. Um, so for me, that those are always the most fun games. Sitting around during the day waiting for it. Yeah, to, that's what some guys yeah. say. It's, it's tough. a long day. Yeah, it's, it definitely is a long day, but I kind of enjoy sleeping in a little bit. One last one for me. Okay, so Green Bay comes into town. Aaron Rodgers across. You watched the match where he was giving Josh the needle yeah. you know, and all that. Uh-huh. It, for me, I've been saying this. If you're, if I'm Josh, and you know him, you guys are all. But if I'm Josh, man, I want to, I want like, I want to hang a fifty burger on that. Guy. I mean, no I question. Like, and if you're up, I don't care if it's fifty. I don't care if it's forty to zero. I want to go in the game and keep throwing it. Oh yeah, and, out. So who's the adult in the room that says no? You know what, bro? Enough. Put enough. your ball cap on and wait for next. Week. Go get a clipboard. You know, and you listen to the plays being called, but that's as close as you. Know. Who's the you know? Who's the adult in the that? huddle? How do you well, in the, that? or in the room or on who the sideline? Who goes to or? coach? Who goes to Sean McDermott and says, "Coach, no, we're no, we're going, we're staying in." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we're all about. Right. We're, we want to step on people's throats when right. we get the opportunity. So, especially, especially this one. So, I think we're going to do everything in our power to score on every single possession that we get. I know Josh probably has a little extra something going forward into this game because I know MVP. I know he's buddies with Aaron so right. I know they're, they I know on. there's enough of yeah there's a good natured incentive but right. he's the two-time defending MVP not no to mention and the fact that the only time Josh got shut out was in Green Bay his rookie year it was oh, his third career start and they lost 22 to nothing it was a rough day but you know it was a different team then and you know he got sacked seven times it didn't go well knowing Josh he's got all those things in the back of his mind and they're not going to be distractions but they're going to be little little fuel for poetic justice to get would, be, would be Doesn't Josh winning much. 22 to nothing it, it's Just scary like it's scary like Josh is scary without any type of fuel extra. well right and then yeah. just give a little put a little give gasoline a little bit. in there and, yeah good luck right. well that's that's kind of where I'm at I'm because I I you would have to think that particularly I have you ever played had a chance certainly now at this point you've had a chance to play with some guys you're pretty good buddies with I'm playing yeah. against yeah, them. yeah for sure and the conversations that go into it in the off season about mm-hmm. it coming up oh, and yeah. also after it's over you, you don't want to leave that out there, right? I mean, no question. I mean, there's always going to be a little bit of chit chat back and forth, making bets <laughs> here and there. A lot of trash talk leading into the game, even during the game. You're chirping your other buddy on yeah, the other right. side, but then after the game, you know, it's fun to right. grab a picture. But I mean, then you got bragging rights for the rest of the year after right. after you lay it's one a long home. year. Yeah. Last one I got for you with Coach Dorsey. You know, now kind of running the show on the offensive side of the ball. I haven't run the percentages yet, but it feels like there has been a little bit more of 12 personnel through the course of the season so far, so a little bit more than last year anyway. I know Reggie's on the field, been on the field a lot more in 21 as well. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts through the first seven weeks 
I mean, you guys know Coach Dorsey because he's been here, obviously. It's not like he's some new guy dropping in out of the sky. But <laughs> right. he's, you know, he's calling it now. So just your yeah. thoughts through the first seven weeks. I think just that extra versatility that extra tight ends can add. Um, you bring us in the box and we can run the ball really well. Um, and then if the defense decides to throw an extra linebacker in there, we spread them out and throw the ball. Um, so I think it just exploits different matchups that, depending on what the defense does, we yeah. can be run heavy during the game or, you know, go to the pass game. Because I was telling him, yeah. I said, the Bills may run more 12 personnel. I said, but it's not your mom and dad's 12 personnel. You guys run a different looking. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. the new wave what's 12. It, what's it been yeah. like with Ken Dorsey now? That had different vibe, different, you know. Obviously, it's yeah. you know, you're running the plays and you're not, you're not into the preview. The mindset going into the play call in any given moment. Um, how's it been with Ken and what do you notice? Yeah, I mean, he's done a – Fantastic job picking up where Dave's left off and adding his own little wrinkles. Um, he, he picks up a lot on what Josh likes. Um, I know they've been close since Josh got here. Um, so he knows exactly the concepts that Josh likes, what he's most comfortable with, and he does a great job implementing that every week. And then um, even though it's a very similar system, we've already seen a lot of wrinkles that are really cool to go out there on the field and use, especially with those 12 personnel, 21 personnel, different packages. So – you like playing primetime games. You'd rather play them all in primetime if you could. Is it just because it reminds you of, of Friday Night Lights in high school? <laughs> or what, what's, the, what's the appeal? Just because everybody's watching? Is that it? You're the only game going? or You know, honestly, I never got to play much in high school. Um, I was only a starter right. you my senior one year. year. Right with an injury in high school? Right? So I was only the starter my senior year and yeah. dislocated my ankle the very first game. That's right. So maybe maybe remember. it is some chasing the Friday night lights, but um, <laughs> right. I think it's just something about knowing that all your friends and family, everyone's going to have it on TV. You know, even if they're not there, that's the game that's nationally televised. That's the game people are waiting for. That's been promoted all week. Mm. Um, there's just a little extra juice that comes with prom time. Yeah, it's good All stuff. All right, Dawson. Listen, thanks, thanks, Dawson. Thanks for giving us some time. Yeah. We'll let you hit the showers because you, know, you came fresh off the field. Probably and, smell great right now. Well, yeah. hey, I've, believe I me, I've smelled anything. worse. So, <laughs> yeah. Like Lee Smith, for example. No question. Yeah, <laughs> shout out to Lee Smith. Uh, all right, we will take a break, but that is your f- – oh, we got Josh ready to roll at the podium? Okay. So, uh, Dawson, the perfect lead-in for one Josh Sweet. Allen who's waiting at the podium. Let's go there now. It's great. Yeah, went back to California, saw friends, family, golfed a little bit, um, disconnected, and now we're reconnected. So, uh, huh? Yeah, streamlined look. Yeah, uh, little Halloween party the other day with the team. Uh, it was part of the the costume. So, gotta do what you gotta do. Did you know Aaron uh, Rodgers much before the golf uh, thing this summer, or had you connected with him much? Or? Yeah, we we have connected a few times before that. Um, Obviously, playing in the Tahoe tournament, uh, we've got some similar similar people in our circle. Um, so, been able to, to talk with them there during the RX3 golf event, which is a nice. It was a it was a cool deal. So, um, again, I'm I'm a big fan of him, and obviously his play, what he's done in his career, it's been it's been awesome to watch as a, as a kid wanting to be who he is on the field and emulate his game because he's so dynamic he does things that really no other quarterback had ever done before him and and still does some some crazy things you know moving off platform ball placement like it's it's so impressive to watch him and um again as a kid i that's he's one of the quarterbacks that i looked up to i mean obviously he's got great mechanics and everything but when he decides 
throw off the back. I mean, you just like, sometimes it throws with no platform, back foot, and it's like a laser, right? You look at that and just say, well, okay, we're not going to try and copy that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as a kid, though, it's like that's, that's what you wanted to do, you know? You wanted to move and, and be able to throw on the run like he does. And you talk about a quick release. I mean, still sometimes, like, it'll pan to him, like, warming up. And from like where his hand starts to where it finishes, like it's in an instant. And it's 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 super impressive to watch, and sometimes it really doesn't look like it makes sense to me of how how quickly the ball can get out and accurately can get get there. Yeah, I mean, again, he's he's Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, one of the best, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game, and um, I think we understand that. All we can focus on, though, is putting our best foot forward in practice, developing a game plan, and going out and trying to execute Sunday night. Gosh, you know, we know that you're your biggest critic. Just evaluate yourself the first six weeks. Um, I mean, we're, we're five and one, so that's that's the most important thing to me. Obviously, I think there's some plays that we wish we had back, and things that we can continue to get better on. Our, our red zone efficiency needs to needs to improve, and that's solely on my shoulders there, making the right decisions with the football. Um, but again, I mean, there's a lot to like. You know, I, I love how this team has gelled together, how we interact with each other, the communication that we have in the locker room and on the football field. You know, I think it's a a, a bond in our locker room that's second to none in in the, in the league. Um, guys care about each other. They care about doing their jobs. we got true professional football players here, and it's an awesome environment to be around. All right, that's Josh Allen addressing the media after practice today. Certainly has a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers, fellow California native, and a guy that he said he obviously looked up to uh, as he was growing up. We will take a break here, Steve and I, to come back and close things up next. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, here we be, One Bills Live, as we close out a Wednesday, Steve. What do we think about uh, Josh shaving off the, the chops? He, he went to the team's Halloween party dressed in a tuxedo. I'm assuming he was the great Gatsby, a la Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, yeah, it could have been James Bond. I, I'm, I'm leaning great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. Why? Because his significant other, Brittany, was dressed as a flapper. You oh, know, a 1920s yeah, okay. person. All right. And perhaps the best costume <laughs> was, was done by none other than Micah Hyde, who, as we know, had surgery for a herniated disc. And he, we happened to see him in the hallway today, and I asked him, I said, people on social media were saying, you decided to be Frankenstein because you had neck surgery. And he said, that is 100% accurate. That's what he told us. Yeah. And he said he gave his wife credit. His wife, Amanda, came up with the idea. As soon as he had neck surgery, he came out of neck surgery. Everything's successful for the herniated disc. And she said, you're going to be Frankenstein for Halloween. Well, sure enough, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, and he he did it up. Like, it wasn't, um, you know, like some people put that rubber Frankenstein mask on. Oh, right. no. It was the full makeup deal. That's the one thing we should have asked him. Who did the makeup? Right. Because he had, like, an extended square cranium, like, on oh his head, gosh. like, blended in. Oh, it was good. It was, like, high-end. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if he went to some, like, Hollywood makeup artist or something. Like, nice. it was really authentic. Nice. He Love had it. the green hands and we everything. Gotta get, we got to get uh, we got to get pictures of the of the I soiree. think there were some on on Instagram with some of the guys accounts and stuff. Mm-hmm. We'll see if we can get some tomorrow for the show. Mm-hmm. But uh so we get closer to Halloween. Those guys pull out all the stops. Like oh, yeah, some of those stuff. guys go all it's in. It's great too because the families are involved, right? So you get all the the significant and everybody else, everybody wants to do it up, right? So Oh yeah, yeah it's even if the players are kind of like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> They're forced. They're forced into. Yeah, it. sometimes the significant others weigh yes. in heavily on the exactly. commitment level. Exactly to uh, what happens there. So yes, that is one hundred percent on the mark. So if we can come across some of those, we'll try to pass them along. I did see Stefan Diggs was a ER physician. He had the stethoscope and the scrubs. You want to go to a Halloween party comfy? Go in hospital oh, scrubs, yeah. and good that'll point. work big time. Good point. It is basically the alumni show here tomorrow. Stevie Johnson and Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.